I hope you brought notepads, because what you will learn tonight uh, probably will answer a whole lot of questions that I am frequently being given by you, okay? We're going to cover a, you know, a whole plethora of things. Now, when I asked the congregation if you, you know, had questions on topics that you would like to hear addressed, my daughter said to me uh, that she wanted me to go back and cover what we call God's multi-dimensional creation. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. So I want to just, let me say this. I'm going to use the term dimensional. God has created many realms, and there's just one more that he will create, that we will dwell in. So instead of, you know, I could use the word dimensional, I'll give you a, in the 12th century, there was this renowned rabbi, Nachmanides. And Nachmanides, he concluded from his study of the book of Genesis that there were 10 different dimensions revealed in Genesis. Now, just, I mean, again, he was, he was not a believer. Uh, this was, you know, his idea. I, as you study if you have any idea, remember science class, if some of you are younger, string theory. String theory, the idea that it's string theorists, they, they propose that there are 10 different dimensions in our universe. So what I wanna, what really want to share with you is, I want to share with you again, God's multi-realm creation or multi-dimensional creation that we see revealed in Scripture. Um, I don't know if there are nine, I don't know if there are ten, I don't know if there are eleven, I don't know if there are more. You're going to kind of make your decisions. We know that there are four, though. Okay? There's four that we can experience. And we cannot experience the others unless God enters in to our four-dimensional uh, universe. But what are the dimensions that we, that we live in? Okay, well, what happened there? There we go. Okay. So three dimensions that are very simple, right? That we, we, have, we have width, okay? Move from side to side. Imagine if that was it. We'd be bumping into each other all the time, okay? We have height. We can move up and down, okay? And we have depth. We can move forward and we can move backwards, okay? Very simple, okay? I think we, we all realize that and if we don't realize that tonight, then we're wondering what drug you're on, okay, that's keeping you from that rea uh, reality. Okay, so with height and depth. Now, uh, uh, Einstein proposed that there's a fourth dimension, and that is time. I want to give, give you something. If you really want to look into this, you want to, and, and I'm going to give you something that's incredibly simple. Because if you, I mean, you, you get into relativity, you, you know, your brain is going to get scrambled. But Einstein, in Forbes magazine, there's a great article. It's called, This is Why Time Has to Be a Dimension. And if you Google Forbes magazine, This is Why Time Has to Be a Dimension, you'll get a great explanation, okay, of why time is the fourth dimension. Now, Einstein said this, the distinction between the past and the present and the future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. Now, if you understand what the scripture says about God living in eternity, outside of time, outside of space, 
right? He is before all things, he's after all things, and he's in all things. The concept of relativity really lines up with the Bible. So the more I study, the more I study true science, because there's this theory. Most, most science is theory, and what you find with science, if you go back, go back a hundred years, you'll have all of these proposed theories that they were claiming were fact that have been disproved about, I mean, it could be anything from the micro to the macro, to the, you know, to the atom, or to the very universe. But when you get to, to some true science, I find that it's always supportive of the Bible. If you say the Bible's in conflict with science, I, I haven't found that, you know, to be true in, in, in my life. So, let me show you, I want to show you something neat. In Ephesians chapter 3, 18 through 19, again, talking about a four-dimensional universe that we live in. Here Paul writes, he says, may be able to comprehend, may we be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That we would experience the love of God in our current four-dimensional universe, in, in width, in height, in depth, and in time. So, as I've read this, I think that, this, again, the Holy Spirit is alluding to something, okay, that, again, modern science has discovered, and, again, science catches up with the Bible, that we live in a four-dimensional universe and we can experience the love of God in this current realm that we're in. Now, Let's move beyond our four-dimensional universe. Okay, ready? get ready. First realm, okay, outside of the four-dimensional realm is heaven. And as you go through the scriptures, you will see in different places, okay, you have the Bible, you want to you get, the Bible is an integrated message system. It's an integrated message system. People say, well, it's one book. No, it's not one book. It's 66 books written over the course of 2,000 years by 40 different authors. And it's integrated. So what do I mean by, by integrated? If you want to understand the resurrection, there isn't a book on the resurrection. You have to go to the end of each of the Gospels. You'll find uh, in the prophecies of the Old Testament in Psalm 16, you can find the resurrection. In Isaiah chapter 53, you can find the resurrection. In Job, you can find the resurrection. The most complete chapter on the resurrection in the entire Bible is... What is the most complete chapter on the resurrection in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 15. You want to you put that one down and you know, log it away. So the idea, it's integrated. Why does God do that, right? Why doesn't he just give us a book on the resurrection, a book on the atonement, a book on the virgin birth, right? A book on the Trinity. Why doesn't he give us that? Because, you know what, I believe, I think it's for the purpose of making us dig. We've got to dig. You've got to understand. You can't, you can't just study one book. You've got to study all the books. You've got to study in its complete context to be able to really understand. So heaven, there isn't a chapter, or there, there isn't one chapter on, on, on heaven. There isn't one book on heaven. But there are a number of glimpses that we get in the scriptures that reveal heaven. So one is Revelation chapter 4, verses 2 through 8. I want you to take a look at that picture, which is a, a great graphic of what John was seeing in Revelation chapter 4. So let me pick up here in verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne... 
And he who sat there was like jasper and sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in the appearance like an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their head. By the way, the 24 elders, I believe, what do you think that represents? Who are they? The, the, the church, the 12 apostles, but also the 12 tribes of Israel. That's what I believe. It's, it's, it's all those who have been saved who are in heaven, you know, with the Lord. And I believe at this point the resurrection has happened. The rapture has happened. So around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones they saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. That's uh, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. In the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf, and the third living creature had the face of a man, and the fourth living creature was like flying eagle, angels. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So we get a picture of this, this very heavenly realm, the throne place of God, the dwelling place of God. Okay, you go to the book of Isaiah, he gets a glimpse of heaven in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And here, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Again, it's the throne room of God. High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Notice, the, the, again, the correlation between Revelation right, and what Isaiah is seeing here. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, I'll give you another. There are some others, but I'm going to give you one more, and that is the book of Ezekiel. And again, take a look at the picture. These, these artists have done a, a great job. Again, you see the throne, and then there are these wheels. And I've, I've, when I've taught on Ezekiel chapter 1 and 2 and Ezekiel chapter 10, what are people seeing in the skies now everywhere? Right? Now they're reporting it. Now the government has just set up another, another research committee that's going to research what these things are, right? They're, they're men from out of space, right? They're green ET. I believe that they're heavenly beings. They're angels and demons that are moving in and out. They break the law of physics. The air traffic controllers, they see them, right? They're here, and then suddenly they disappear, and they're 180 miles away, and they're here. They, they totally violate the laws of physics, they're moving in and out, okay, of our four-dimensional universe. Moving in and out. And again, this, this all began to happen more, more than, than ever before. In 1948, suddenly there was this, this breakthrough. Israel became a nation. You have a number of things that, that began to happen. So look at, what, look at what Ezekiel sees here. I'm just going to cover a few verses, 26 through 28. And above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne, an appearance like a sapphire stone on the likeness of the throne was the likeness of the appearance of a man high above it. Who's that? Yeah, I believe that's, that's Yeshua. 
okay? He has not been incarnate yet, but we call, we call that a Christophany. And he was um, also from the appearance of his waist and upward I saw, and it were the color of amber and the appearance of fire all around with it. Uh, and from the appearance of his waist and downward I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around, like the appearance of a rainbow in the cloud and a, on a rainy day. And so was the appearance of all the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. But again, that, that is a, a glimpse that Ezekiel is getting, okay, that Isaiah is getting, that John, okay, received of heaven, the very throne room of God. And you get, again, these glimpses you see, and there are others that you find in scriptures. Probably, I think these are the three most complete that you get, you know, you get to really kind of, you, you, you really are looking in through a doorway into heaven and seeing it. Okay, second round, okay, outside of the four that we live in, paradise or Abraham's bosom. Now, I want to I say this, some teachers, some scholars believe that paradise is heaven, okay? Others believe that paradise was a Paradise was a wonderful place where essentially the Old Testament saints, okay, in the Old Covenant, they were there, okay, until Jesus was raised from the dead. And I'm going to show, I'm going to show you that. And that's, that, that is the view I take. I believe paradise, it was essentially, it, it is, or it was a separate realm from heaven. A separate realm from the very presence, throne room of, you know, of God. It's a paradise. Garden of Eden was called a paradise. I do believe that paradise can be part of heaven right now. I think I'm, I'm, I'm speculating. I think it could. And if it's not, then it's empty because it's been vacated. So take a look here in Luke chapter 23, 43, the thief on the cross. And Jesus said to him, right? Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me, where? In paradise. So the, the, the rabbis in the time of Jesus, from the destruction of the temple, okay, we call it, we call it the post-temple period, so it's about 586 up until the time of Jesus, the rabbis believed that essentially Sheol had two compartments. There was a compartment that is for the unbelievers, which is hell or Hades. And then there was a compartment for the believers that is paradise. Sometimes, again, called Abraham's bosom. And I'll show you that in a moment. So when the saints, Moses and Samuel and David, um, John the Baptist, okay, when, when all the saints died, okay, in the Lord, Old Testament, before the, you know, the, the resurrection, they went to paradise. Now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, okay, and I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? You ever see false teachers will say, Jesus went to hell. He didn't go to hell. He went to paradise. So, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So, Jesus, again, their, their revelation was limited. 
The Old Testament saints, folks, when Jesus says that, that we have a greatness that's beyond John the Baptist, it's not that we are more moral than John the Baptist, more ethical than John the Baptist, that we were greater prophets than John the Baptist. None of us were. But what it's saying is that we who have entered into the kingdom in this new covenant, right, we have a greater advantage. We, we study the word with hindsight. And so the, the, the great blessing and advantage that we have is, right, we understand this. Now, the, the, Jesus goes to paradise. He is revealing, right, in his fullness what he did. That, you know what, he, you know, people, people say, well, when did Jesus go to paradise? I believe that he went to paradise on Saturday. <laughs> he died on the cross on, fri on, <clears throat> on Friday. He went to paradise and he revealed himself. And he revealed himself to Moses in his fullness. He revealed himself to Samuel and he revealed himself to David as the crucified Lord. And then in the resurrection, he leads, right, captivity captive and he leads them to paradise. He leads them to heaven. So either paradise as a whole goes into heaven or paradise is vacant right now. And uh, there's nobody going to be going there. So whichever, you know, we're going to find that out, that paradise may just have been entirely taken up and becomes a part of the, uh, of the heavenly realm. All right, another realm, hell. So in the Gospel of Luke, and again, Jesus mentioned hell. He mentioned hell more than heaven. But in uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 26, you have the story of Lazarus and the rich man. So let's, let's look at this. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid uh, at his gate. And desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, more of the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. What happens when a saint dies? The angels come and escort us into the very presence of God. You want to see, there's, there's a number of dynamics that the scriptures teach. Well, if you ever wonder, you know, where, where does it, somebody has come to me and they said, well, where does it say that the angels will escort us into the very presence of God right here? Right here in, in Luke chapter 16. So it was the beggar, right, he died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom, another term for paradise. Jesus has not died on the cross or been raised from the dead yet. And the rich man also died and was buried, and began, being in torments in Hades, Hades or hell. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So apparently they were able to see the unbelievers and the believers. And then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us you have a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. But that is a picture, that is a picture of hell. Hades. Now, what is, what is Hades described like? Okay, darkness, complete, utter darkness. It's uh, the term, you know, fire is used. And I believe 
the concept of fire is that these people are in torment, totally separated from all the goodness of God. And it's also described, and I was saying this to Barry Shark tonight, that Barry shared this with me and taught me this years ago, that they will be gnashing teeth. And a lot of times when we look at that, we'll be like gnashing teeth, like, oh, I wish I could be, I wish I could be in paradise, I wish I could be in heaven. And Barry, he said, no, it's like an anger. They're angry at God. They're, 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 they hate God. And there's an anger and a gnashing. So people just are filled with hatred for God in hell, as well as being in darkness, as well as there being this, this torment that is there. The next realm, the celestial, I'm going to use the term celestial realm. So in, in the scriptures, you see that there are these, these battles that happen between angels and demons, angels and fallen angels. And um, I want to show you this because people say, well, it happens in heaven. Well, do you think that the battle's happening right at the foot of the throne of God? I don't think so. I don't think so. So I want to show you, again, we get a little glimpse into this celestial realm. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 through 14. So an angel, okay, it comes to Daniel, and then he said to me, this is the angel speaking to Daniel, do not fear Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, I don't think he's talking about a human being. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, okay, one of the chief princes, right, Michael the archangel, came to help me, for I had been left alone there. I want you to notice that. I had been left alone there. Where? There is some place that this angel is battling, and I believe the prince of Persia is some type of principality or power. Right? It's, Satan has his rulers, his principalities, in certain strategic places. Look at America right now. You notice that, that there, there are cities that, I mean, where you see violence and you see death and you see chaos. Satan has his strongholds, I believe, in places like San Francisco or Los Angeles or New York or Las Vegas or Miami. Some of these, like New Orleans. And you see these, these strongholds that, you know, people are, uh, well, that's because they have democratic governors and mayors. I'll tell you, they also have democratic demons. <laughs> that, that are in, and I'm not, I'm not using that from a political, you know, perspective, but they have, he has his demons strategically situated in, in certain cities and certain nations throughout the world. So there's this, this, this cosmic struggle that's going on in this realm, I'll call it again a celestial realm, verse 14, now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the lighter days, for the vision refers to many days uh, yet uh, to come. So again, this is something, it's not happening here on earth, and I don't believe it's happening in the very, you know, realm of heaven where God, you know, God is sitting upon his throne. So I believe there is some type of celestial realm where you see these principalities and powers battling with the angels of God. So Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
And the word heavenly place is eper anios. It, it basically says above the sky. So I mean, is it speaking of something out in the universe? In the material universe? Or is it speaking about, again, some type of celestial realm? Where this, is, where this is going on. I'll show you one other verse that again shows this, this cosmic struggle that's going on. Revelation chapter 12, 4 and 9. It talks about Satan. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and drew them to the earth. That is the rebellion. When Satan rebelled against God, Ezekiel 28, Isaiah chapter 24, one third of the angels fell into line and followed Satan. And it says, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she bore a male child who had uh, to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. I believe this is talking about the tribulation period. By the way, who's the woman? The woman is Israel. Yeah, the, the child is Jesus. But the Catholic Church claims that, that, that they're the, the woman. Uh, you know, the woman, by the way, f it fits into exactly what, what Joseph's dream was of Israel, okay, of the 12, you know, of the 12 stars, the moon and the sun. And, um, but it was Mary Baker Eddy from Christian Science, she claimed that she was the woman. Some of these cult leaders have egos bigger than, uh, I mean, they have bigger than, you know, than, than Adolf Hitler. And war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Realize Satan still has access to the presence of God. You look at that in the book of Job. But now they are cast out, and I believe we are very close to this time. I believe Satan is stirring. Do you see the, the evil? There's a, there's a, I mean, if, unless you get your head in the sand, there's a great increase of evil happening in our world right now. I mean, greater than, I mean, just greater than anything that I, I have seen in, in, in my years here on, on, on this earth. And I think from my understanding of history, it's greater than anything that I have seen. But it's global, it's worldwide. And I think Satan, again, Satan knows his time is short. So these, you know, these things that bother you, that you're seeing happening and, you know, you see things, the, the total confusion of sexuality, of homosexual marriage, the, the violence, evil, you know, being called, you know, good and good being called evil by leaders, by presidents, by congressmen, by senators, by district attorneys. And it bothers you, but understand, behind all of this, okay, is the demonic realm. And he knows his time is short. And by the way, listen, Jesus predicted it. He predicted it. Just, you know, look at, you know, at his word. We're going to look, we're going to look at, at Mark chapter 13 in a couple of weeks. And we're going to look at, you know, it's the Sermon on the Mount of Olives about the end times. And again, he predicted it. And Paul affirmed it. First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus. You see this, you know, predicted over and over again. So I think... In verse 9, the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And uh, I think, again, there is a stirring happening. And, I mean, when this happens, then it's, it's just the satanic wrath, uh, wrath that is unleashed upon, you know, upon the earth. Okay, another, the abyss. 
the abyss, another realm. Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. The abyss, and it's translated in uh, English, the bottomless pit, it's better translated as the abyss. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the keys to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose of the pit, like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came up upon the earth, and to them was given power as scorpions of the earth have power. And they commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months, to torment unbelievers during the tribulation. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion. When it strikes a man in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. And they had hair like woman's hair, and their teeth was that of lion's teeth, and their breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into the battle. They had tails like scorpions, and they were sitting in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months, and they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. Abaddon, Apollyon, some type of demon. It's not Satan, but some type, like one of his generals who is leading this army, and I believe it's an army of demons. Now, the, the, the strange thing is, again, these demons have been locked up for some reason, but then they're released. And I, I don't know, we don't truly understand that. Satan, at the end of the tribulation, is cast into this abyss. Okay, the bottomless pit. You see that in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. And set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while. Right? Satan is cast into the bottomless pit. One thousand year millennial kingdom. Peace on earth. And then he's released for a short time. We'll look at that in just a second. But the abyss is another, again, realm. Now, how many of you have ever heard of Tartarus? Tartarus is it's only used once. In the entire Bible. Anybody know where? It's used once. And some people believe the abyss and Tartarus may be the same realm. Okay? So, in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, it says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down into hell, a very poor translation. It really is. It's... it's um, it really is, it's, it's a poor, sometimes I'm, I don't know where, I'm not, I'm not a Greek scholar, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but it, it is a poor translation. The word is Tartarus. Tartarus was a word that was used, you find it in Greek mythology, of this place of condemnation and darkness of the evil spirits. That's what Peter is using here. The Holy Spirit gives Peter this word Tartarus. And deliver them into chains of darkness reserved for judgment. Angels cast into this place of Tartarus 
as they will wait for judgment. And it says, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah. Now notice these, these angels, there's a correlation with, that, with Noah and his time. One of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Notice also Sodom and Gomorrah is referred here. So in the time of Noah, in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, condemned them to destruction, making them an example in those who afterwards would live ungodly. So this place, Tartarus, is where these angels who had some type of connection with the days of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah, what happened in the days of Noah? What did angels do in Genesis chapter 6? Right? And, and you're going to look at a verse from Jude. It says they, they left their abode and apparently came and somehow they cohabitated. We don't quite know if it was by possession of human men or how, but they somehow cohabitated with women, producing what? What were the, the Nephilim? These giants. And uh, that is Genesis 6. Those angels, God, I believe, condemned to Tartarus. Now, in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, it gets, it gets weird again. Because when the, the people from the city, these were angels, right? In Lot's house. What did they do when they knocked on the door? Yeah, they said, send them out. We want to have sex with them. There's something going on there. But if you realize the destruction of humanity, with the exception of the eight, in the time of Noah, and then the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, well, people say, well, Sodom and Gomorrah was just you know, an, an evil place. But there were loads of evil places. And if you look at, you know, you look at Nineveh, right, in the time of Jonah, Nineveh, they were, they were sacrificing their children, there was all types of immorality, sexual immorality, other immorality that was going on. But God, he called Jonah to go and preach the gospel and they repented and they gave their, they gave their life to, you know, they, they gave their life in repentance to God. And they were spared. But he didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah and he, he didn't spare, right, that generation in the time of Noah. And I believe that's because there was some type of angelic mischief that was happening. And those angels from the time of Sodom and Gomorrah and from the time of Noah, they were cast into, right, Tartarus. Now, I'll have you look at Jude, verse 6. It says, And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, right, they, they left their abode. And... These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. So here's a, here's a problem that I have with the abyss being the same as Tartarus. Because I don't think he's letting those angels who did what they did in Genesis chapter 6 and Sodom and Gomorrah, I don't think he's letting them out. That's why I take the view that the abyss is some, it's something different. Again, mysterious, but, but, but different. Okay, the lake of fire. Another, again, uh, another realm. So it tells us in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 to 15, and again, people will say, well, the lake of fire is hell. And if I read Revelation chapter 20, 14 and 15, I see a clear distinction that they're not the same place. So in, in verse 14, the death, then death, and Hades. Hades, hell. By the way, death, all of those who basically are spiritually dead. It's not talking about just merely physical death, because the righteous will physically die too. 
But the people who are dead, right, they've rejected the Lord, they're dead spiritually, and Hades, hell, were cast into the lake of fire. They're not the same, they're not the same places. They're not the same realm. It says, this is the second death, and anyone found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So at the end of the millennial kingdom, you have the great white throne judgment, and then the unbelievers are cast into the lake of fire. Eternal separation from God. Now, I'll give you one more. I've given you a, bu a bunch of them here. I don't know if you've been counting on what you came up with. And again, there's, there's again, a little speculation here. I'm giving you, a, you know, there's a, it's truly, I'm, I'm, I'm hypothesizing here with some of these things, understanding I'm, I'm not quite sure if the abyss is Tartarus and, you know, exactly the same. But what is the one place that we haven't discussed? A realm that hasn't been created yet. Well, you're going to be spending a whole lot of time there. What is it? Well, it's, it's, it's a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. This is a, a, a realm that, that, that God will create. So in, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 through 4, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, right? Read Second Peter 3, right? Suddenly in a single moment, the material universe is gone. Our four-dimensional universe is gone. So it says, also there was no more sea than I, John, saw the holy city. A new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. That's eternity. And that is the place that we will dwell with the Lord. A new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. How many did you come up with? Nine? Ten? Anybody come up with eleven? So let me show you. I want to show you just in, in wrapping this up. Multiple realms that... Um, God has created, and a realm that he will create. And, you know, what is, why teach this? Why bring this to you? And I want to give, I want to give you something, an answer. As I study the word of God, and I am studying something like this, I am awed at how great our God is. And, you know, it tells us in Psalm 65, verse 35, Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. Just, I, I am filled with awe and wonder. You know, we, we live in this, this little box. Right? Look at, look at the, the average, you know, I see people in our, in our culture. This is them. This is, this is their life. I mean, I'm, I'm, I see people getting mugged on the streets, getting hit over the head, and I see people walking down the street, I mean, I'm, and, and getting hit by cars. I've seen people getting hit by cars in our area, but this is their, this is their life. This, this is their life. You know, chatting with, you know, blah, 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 blah. 
And, you know, we live, we live in this, you know, again, people, they live in this little microcosm, in this little realm. Even if you, you know, you're, you're, you look up. I don't know if you ever take time to look up at the stars. I have, a, um, I have a telescope in my, you know, in my study. Just take, a, take time to look up. But looking up at the, you know, the stars, looking up at the sun, looking up at the, you know, the, 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 the clouds. People don't, do, people don't do that. And if you do do that, God bless you. But when you get into, when you really get into God's creation, and, and not just the creation of the earth and the creation of the cosmos, but these different realms that God has created, it, it fills me with awe. So I just want to, I'll end, I want to give you two verses. In Proverbs 25.2, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. Do you know that he calls us kings in Revelation 1.6? And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He calls us kings, a, ba- a basilia of kings. And I think it is, it is truly a, a great honor for us. And I, I, take this, I take this honor, and you see me, right? I dig, I dig. For coming up here tonight, my, my brain was so scrambled because I'm working on finishing Sunday's message, and then I started work, and I've got next Wednesday's message in the works, and I've got next, next Sunday's message in the works that are exciting me, but digging in the Word, digging and digging, and, and looking at these things, and it is, you know, again, the honor of kings to search out a matter, and it's a glorious thing when we really dig into the Word and we dis- we're discovering these, and we don't understand everything, I don't understand everything, but it's, that's part of the excitement. If I did, right, when you really understand something completely, you get bored. And God just, you know, I've been doing this for 40 years, and God just continues to blow my mind every, you know, every day through his word. And um, it's amazing. You know, there, this little book, this, this, this book of books, has more in it to blow your mind than I believe the entire universe <laughs> And the universe blows my mind. But it's just, it, it, it is, it is mind-blowing. So just again, it is, it is to the honor of kings to search out a matter. May God bless you. May he excite you. May he juice you about the study of his word. Because it is truly a glorious thing. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, giving us a glimpse tonight. Giving us a glimpse, Lord God, into eternity. Giving us a, a glimpse, Lord, into these different realms that you have created. For the, giving us a glimpse, Lord God, into a new heavens, new earth, and new Jerusalem. Where we will be spending, Lord, eternity with you. We pray, Lord God, that you continue, Lord God, just to infuse us with a passion and a desire to dig into your word. And, Lord God, may we truly be awed and flawed and marvel and wonder at how great your revelation that has come to us through the Bible is. For in Jesus' name we pray this, amen. Folks, stand with me. We'll sing, praise the Lord, and then um, we'll break up into small groups and pray.
We pray, God, that you would just help us, Lord, to remember what you've taught us tonight. Help us, God, to apply that to our lives. And we pray for this time of prayer, Lord, that, Jesus, you would just be the intercessor here. And the Holy Spirit, Lord, would just fill this place. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 